Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Pastor and his wife listening. Now, Pastor's such a wonderful, wonderful man. I, I appreciate him. We have the same spirit. We have the same, I think, purpose, goal to reach the lost. He has passion for missions. We, I was a missionary. Uh, he loves his church. He loves the church people. And uh, I've watched him through the last few years. And, and uh, man, he's been the same, solid. He's never changed, amen? And see, that's what it's all about. You don't want to ever change. You don't want to ever change. Because if you ever change, uh, you know, you, you, you're probably going to drift backwards. Now, what I mean by that is, you know, I don't ever lose this worship. I don't ever lose the knowledge of the truth. I, I want the truth to be relevant in my life every day. I talked to my nephew and I told him, I said, uh, you know, I said, what you need is you need, you need the truth. He said, what's truth? Uncle Danny, what's truth? And, uh, you know, it's almost what anybody thinks now. We got such a, a, a distorted uh, vision, an image of what the world is today that, that, there's, that there's a lot of people don't understand what truth is. And so they live the way they want to because they don't understand that Jesus is coming back. The truth is he's coming back. And the truth is the Bible does let us know it's in times like these that you better start watching for him to come back. Amen? Because when the world gets so bad, when the world gets so messed up, that's why the Bible tells us this. It's husbands, fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your homes. That's what the Bible says. Fight for them. And the day that we're living in, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and fight for what you believe. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and st take a stand on what you believe. And uh, people say, well, you know what, if you do, you're going, well, you know what, they, they take a stand for what they believe. I take a stand for what I know. See, that's the difference. When you know something, you don't, nothing else is going to bother you. Nothing else can sway you. You can't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, the Bible says, amen, because you know him and you understand him. I want to know him. These last few days without Sister Abra, I've been able to, really get a hold of God and, and get close because we're, we're, not, we're not doing everything and running everywhere and it, it gives me time to slow down. To come and do a Tuesday night Bible and you don't want to miss this, this Tuesday night because it's going to be really, really good. You're, you're going to like it. It's going to be finishing up but there's some things that are going to be said and I'm going to show you some visuals that are going to uh, really just expand your, your, your spiritual mind to what God can do in this last day. But I'm thankful that I, 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 want, I have that hunger to know him. Paul had that same hunger. Paul wasn't perfect. We always preach like he was, but Paul, Apostle Paul wasn't perfect. And, and uh, God had to deal with him. And he said, I wish God would take this thorn out of my flesh. And God told him it's there for a reason. Amen. So there's things that come in our life that are there for a reason that if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be seeking after God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. 
So let's, uh, let's go. You can make see it's a long, it's a long text. Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse number 22. 14 verse 22. Notice what it's talking about. It's straightway Jesus constrained his disciples. Now Jesus constrained his disciples. That means he, he got them. He, he, he told them. This. He got them together. He constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up unto the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now notice verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. The ship that he constrained them to get into, to go to the other side. The ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. That means it was like, it was a storm's brewing. And then the fourth watch of the night, now notice the fourth night of Jesus went into them walking on the sea. So in the fourth night, uh, Jesus went walking on the water to them. I, I, I like this part. It says, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They were troubled. And, and uh, uh, saying, uh, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. See, when you don't really know him and understand him, when a storm comes, sometimes you don't see him in the midst of the storm. And you begin to fear. You begin to cry out. A lot of people want to know why. Why all this evil is prevalent? Why, did, why did, this, did, did God let this guy kill these people? God didn't let it. It was the absence of God that caused that. It wasn't God's presence that killed him. It was the absence of God's presence. When somebody lives in this world without the presence of God in their life, they are going to do wicked things. Whether you want to or not, you cannot be good on your own. Amen? So don't blame God for things that happen because he's given us a free will. I, I, I can do whatever I want to do. Somebody said, man, you apostolic can't do anything. Man, I can do anything you, you can do. It's just that I know that's not what I want. Because I know what God wants for me. I know what he has for me. And I'm not going to sell that out. And so God's talking to them. So in the midst of the, they're being tossed. The wind's contrary. There's a storm coming. The fourth watch of the night. The darkest time. It says he's walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But notice verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake of them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. So in the midst of the storm, even though they didn't know who he was, they saw the miracles. They saw what he had done. He's walking on the water. But now, man, this storm's just really messing us up. I, I just, I, I can't understand how this is going to be any good, guys. I can't believe Jesus put us in this boat and told us to go to the other side. He constrained them. They knew that. But Jesus straightway spake of them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And when he said that, notice, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he came. And when Peter was come uh, down out of the boat, and he said, Come. And when Peter was come out of the boat or out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I want you to understand that. He, he was the one that said, if it's really you, bid me to come walk on the water. And he said, come on. And, and he stepped out of the boat in the midst of the storm, and he walked on the water. 
Okay? It's important that you understand that. Because the rest of the scripture, this is what we always preach about, the negative part of that scripture. We don't ever preach about the positive part of that scripture. And so the Bible says that uh, he come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the boisterous, the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Now, he did get out of the boat, and he did walk on water, but the storm consumed him, and when he took his eyes off of Jesus, the storm began to uh, cause him to fear, and he began to sink, but he had enough sense, the Bible tells us, that he called out to Jesus. He cried saying, Lord, save me. Now, the storm's still going on. Lord, save me. Now notice the next two words. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore dost thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And so he sends them out. He constrains them. They go in this boat. They go out. And man, he... He has them there in a storm, and they're, they're worried, they're fearful. And Jesus said, be not be of good cheer, it's me. And, and Peter says, if it's you, let me come out and walk to you. He said, come on. He comes out, he walks, he sees the winds again, takes, it begins to sink, and immediately Jesus picks him back up and walks him to the boat. And as soon as he gets in the boat, it says it was calm. See, a lot of you are in the uh, storm. There, there are storms in your life that... That are, winds are blowing and, and problems are happening and, and situations are coming at you. And, and there's all kinds of doubt about what's going to take place with our economy and everything. So those storms of life are just swinging around us, swinging around us. And, and we're always fearful that something might take place. And God doesn't want you to fear because he says, be of good cheer. It's me. I'm in the midst of all this that's going on in America. I'm in the midst of that. I'm the one that's there. And if you're brave enough to get out of that garbage that they try to feed you in this world and step out by faith and walk to Jesus, yeah, well, what happens if something happens? Don't worry, just cry out to Jesus. Immediately, he picked him up. And he put him in the boat, and it says that it was calm. It was calm. Immediately, just Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore dost thou doubt? That's the part we preach. We don't preach about he did walk on water. He did. That's what's amazing to me. He really did walk on water. You know, we always say there's only one that's ever walked on the water. No, there's only one that ever walked on it that didn't sink. But Peter walked on the water because he wanted to go to Jesus. And in the midst of the storm, with everything going on, you have to have that same desire but once you step out of your, 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 uh, your horizontal life and come to a vertical relationship, you're going to fear. There's going to be things that are going to cause you to sink. So notice what he says. It, it said, and when he came into the ship, the wind ceased. And verse 33 says, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now, I like that. They came and worshipped him. For thou art the son of God. Amen. They came to him. They bowed down to him. They worshipped him. Because he really is who he says he is. Amen. So I want to preach for a little while uh, concerning uh, the topic of the aftermath of a storm. See, the aftermath of a storm, that's all we ever see is the negative of the aftermath of a storm also. 
that Hurricane uh, uh, Lee has hit uh, Nova Scotia and those places, and they've showed pictures on the internet and stuff, and buildings are all tore up, and water's gushing over, and cars are turned over, and, and you're seeing all this aftermath. I live in Texas, and I know what a hurricane is. In 1962, Hurricane Carla blew through right where I lived, and we lost our house, and the neighbors lost their house, and I remember the, my dad put me on his shoulders, and we were wading in waist deep of water to our house to see if there was anything salvageable. And, and did you know that Hurricane Carla was the strongest hurricane to ever hit the Gulf Coast? It was the strongest ever to hit it. It's just that not many people lived in, around there in 1962. But it had such a surge that when it went up into, way up into the inland, that when it came back, uh, more people were hurt and bit and, and, and had to go to the hospital because of snake bites than it was because of the hurricane itself, because it brought back all these snakes. And I remember being in our house with my dad and seeing a water mosquito going through our house. I remember seeing that. Hurricane Harvey hit, and you drive through Houston, and, and, and there's still buildings that are tore up. There's still man-made houses and everything that are beat down. They never rebuilt neighborhoods. Whole, whole neighborhoods are are all tore down, and, and you can't find anybody living there. They're all boarded up and everything. And, and, and when uh, uh, Katrina hit, I, I know that uh, my son Ryan was at Ole Miss, and they lost electricity all the way up there, and, and how devastating it was, and how people were on the rooftop, and, and, and boats coming by to try to save them and everything. And, and the aftermath was that, that part of uh, New Orleans is still tore up. It's still not built up today, but there are other things. The grass has grown back. The trees have grown back, amen? The bushes are back. Everything that God makes comes back after a storm. After the aftermath of a storm, what man makes is destroyed. But what, what God creates, it always has a way of replenishing itself, amen? God designed this world this way that it is able to replenish itself after a catastrophe. Oh, have you ever really knew what I'm saying right there? I'm here to tell you that he gives us that same ability that we can be restored after a storm, that after something hits us and knocks us back and knocks us down, God said, get back up, be of good cheer. It's I. I'm in the midst of the storm. I will restore you. Oh. The time of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. That's why in the midst of the storm that we're living in, you need to be at church every time the doors are open. Why? I got to get refreshed. I got to get renewed. I got to make sure that I'm in touch with God. I don't want something to destroy my prayer life, to destroy my marriage, to destroy my economic ability. Somebody say praise the Lord. Storms are very destructive. And I've seen the aftermath. I've seen tornadoes come through Texas in my hometown, El Campo. And back then you had service stations that had them big old plexi, they had big old glass uh, windows and stuff. And you had a guy that would actually pump the gas for you and uh, check your oil. And, and I remember a tornado came through there and it took the roof off but left the glass standing. The, the glass didn't even crack, took the whole roof off. It hit houses and went down a, a, a fence row down towards the country hitting house after house. And when we went out there and we were looking at the station, there was a washing machine sitting on top of a dryer out in the middle of the field. So all kinds of crazy things happen in the midst of a storm. And, 
And that's why you got to stay close to God because in the midst of the storm, man, there's some crazy things that are going to happen. There's going to be some things that are, you're going to say, I don't understand how that, I don't have to understand. I just need a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, amen. I don't need an explanation to live in this world. I need a revelation to know that he's there and that he will lead me and guide me. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's why Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. If we've ever need a blotting out, we need that blotting out right now. Amen. We need to let God come into our life. And if there's any weakness, if there's any stress, if there's any worry, if there's any problem, if there's any sin, we need to repent and let God blot that out. Amen. Because when you do, you'll be able to get up and say, there's joy in the house of the Lord. But not just in the house of the Lord, in your house also. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Whenever the storm is taken out, uh, whenever the storm is taken out of you, let the presence of the Lord refresh you. So in this passage of Scripture, Matthew 14, 22-23, we find the disciples of our Lord overwhelmed in the grip of a raging storm. They're overwhelmed, man. How many times have you felt overwhelmed? Uh, if you got children, you got to feel overwhelmed at times. I, I'm a grandparent, and, and uh, I live two miles from my daughter and son-in-law, and and they overwhelm us sometimes because we got the kids a lot of the times. And, and, and little Cash is starting to walk. And so now he opens up every door. I got to put safety. I'm 65 and I got to put safety latches in my house. Amen. But, but you can get overwhelmed by the situation. You can get overwhelmed by... By, by things that happen in your life. I've never seen so many people so fearful of their health as I have today. I, I had a friend that had a heart attack and he had a, 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 a triple bypass and, and he almost went nuts because he, he was scared. He couldn't sleep because he was scared if he closed his eyes, he wouldn't wake up. And he struggled with that as a pastor. He struggled and struggled. You know, you got to understand, man, that internet don't have the answer to everything, amen? The great physician is not on the internet. The great physician is in the midst of you right now that says whatever storm you go through, whatever problem you have, whatever health problem you have, my God's able to change the situation. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. I can tell you, I've had cancer. I know. Don't tell me when everybody else says there's nothing else I can do. Then you ought to get out of that boat and walk to Jesus. Amen. Because he got you there for a reason. That storm came for a reason. And so if you're struggling against that storm, man, you need to let God have it. Try uh, as you might. It appears that uh, they, they were unable to make any headway. The wind was blowing in their faces, according to verse 24. Can you imagine? There were some fishermen out there, and they've been in the midst of the storm, and they're, they're rowing with everything they have, but they're, make, not, they're not making any headway. They're, they're getting tossed to and fro. And that's how it might seem. You might be in church. You might be on fire for God. You might be coming to church and clapping your hands, but it seems like, man, you're, just, you're not going anywhere, man. Nothing's happening, man. I, I don't know, God. God oh, I'm, I must be stagnant. No. Sometimes God stops you and establishes you. We like that scripture, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Well, the stops of a good man are also ordered of the Lord. Amen. Those storms come for a reason. And when you seem like you're rowing against life and you're rowing against the things of this world and you keep rowing but you're not going anywhere and it seems like you're being tossed to and fro, you know in whom you believe. Just hang on because he's fixing to walk in there in the midst of that storm. Boy, that's something you've got to understand. 
be honest, you, have you ever found yourself in, in that kind of a place where you were stuck in a storm and you didn't seem like you were going to get out? Have you ever found yourself stuck in that situation where you think, why is this happening to me? Why, why is this happening to my children? Why is this happening to church? I'm going to tell you something, friend. You need to live a drama-free life. You need to understand that everything that God does, God does for a reason. Amen. And i got to stay focused on him because he's going to have a church. He said, upon this rock. I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Isn't that what the Bible says? And the psalmist said, take me to the rock that's higher than I. So when you go to church, and he builds your, his church is built on that rock, he's got you higher than everything else. You don't have to look down at the problems. You don't have to look down at the situation. He takes you, take me to the rock that's higher than I. Let me see it the way you see it, God. Let me see the miracle. Let me see the things that you have in store. God's got something in store for this church, but you've got to let him take you to the rock that's higher than you. Man, quit looking around at the storm. Boy, you fly out one time, man, you look up, and they're, they're talking about canceling the flight because the storm, you can't even see the skies is black and, and rain. And then when you take off and you bust through those clouds, you got to pull that little window down because it's so bright. And the top of the clouds are pure white, man. It's, it's cool looking. And you're going, wow, I was just down there, and it looked like it was a mess. And I get up here. See, you were higher than the storm. You were higher than the problems. And see, that's what God's trying to show us today, that in the midst of the storm, he wants to take you higher. Amen. He wants you to understand the aftermath of the storm isn't the destruction. It's what God does to replenish what's inside of you. Woo! My, 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 my. And I, I can almost guarantee that y'all have gone through some of those things. I, I, I may seem to be like, the, it, it, it may seem like the storm will never end and that, uh, that there's no possible good that could come from what you're going through or what you're facing. I, I know many people that backslide, not because they're wicked, not because they're, they're hateful, but they just, they, the longevity of their sickness causes them to give up. I know one family in Victoria, Texas, and, and their son was 14 years old, and he went on a Boy Scout camp, and he went to that summer camp, and he drowned, and, and it devastated him. And then right after they buried him, they found out that the older sister that was 15 had, had cancer, stage 4 cancer. And they had to rush her to MD Anderson and put her in the hospital there. And, and they said, she's not going to make it. She's already too far gone. And, and it devastated the family. It devastated the father and the mother. And, and they got so bitter about it and everything, even though God healed her. God, God uh, uh, Brother Kilgore asked me to go pray for somebody in Methodist. Well, if you know Houston, it has hospital after hospital after hospital. And it's got this corridor that goes through all of them. And I was supposed to be in Methodist Hospital. And I got lost. I was in them, and I ended up in MD Anderson uh, Children's Wing. And I started walking down the hall, and a woman opens the door, and she Pentecostal, got her hair up, dressed. And she steps out, and she looks at me, and she says, you're, you're a Pentecostal preacher, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I was just praying that God would send somebody here because my daughter, she's dying. And they said she's not going to last much longer. And, and I was praying that a Pentecostal preacher would come by. And so I walked in there, and she was as white as my shirt. And, I mean, her eyes were already sunk back in her head. Her arms were so frail and, and no hair. And she's laying there sick, very sick. And I told her, I said, listen, I'm going to pray for you. See, when we pray for people, especially people that are in the midst of the storm, don't feel sorry. Don't pray because you feel sorry for them. Pray that you believe God's going to get them out of the boat and let them walk on that storm. Amen. Don't, don't pray for people because you feel sorry for them. Pray that you believe that God's going to heal them, that God is going to bless them, that God's going to change that situation. Amen. 
And so when I prayed for her, man, the Holy Ghost fell in that place. And nurses were there. And, man, she just started crying. And, and she started speaking in tongues. And her mom speaking in tongues. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'm not very, I don't live very far from here. I'm going to Brother Kilgore's church. And I just live right up the road. I'm going to go get Sister Abram and get her guitar. We'll come back and have church. And when we got back with the guitar, I'm telling you what, man, we walked in there. And the people around, they didn't care. We got the singing. Sister Abram playing that guitar, singing everything. Holy Ghost moved. And, man, you can see the color come back in that girl. God healed her right there. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking. God healed. Immediately God healed her. She had faith to step out of the boat in the midst of her storm and God grabbed her. God pulled her up out of that cancer. There's about 12 inches of a wall between the next room and, and all of a sudden this little boy uh, comes over and he's got one leg already amputated from cancer and he's, he's walking with a, a crutch and he's walking in there and he says, I, I heard what was going on, what's going on? And Shay told him what was happening. He said, could you pray for me? And we said, yeah. And we prayed for that boy. And I went next door and talked to the mom and the mom had her checkbook and had a package of Marlboro sitting up there on the, on the little tray and, and uh, I said, you know, I said, I'm with the Pentecostal church. I said, do you mind if we pray for you and your son? She says, I don't want prayer. I'm going to tell you something. There's going to come a time when God's going to tell you to call on the gods that you've chosen. You better live for God right now. You better live for God while you got the chance. You better put him in the priority aspect of your life because he's going to, in the, in the Bible it tells us, the book of Judges says, he told them, he said, they said, he, they said Lord deliver us. He said, didn't I deliver you from the Amorites and the Amalekites? And I, I delivered you from, and man, he names off about 10 different countries that he delivered them from. And they, he said, and now call on the gods you've chosen. Don't, don't keep coming back to me when you have a problem, when you know you're not going to get out of the boat, when you see me walking into you. Don't, don't, don't think I'm gonna just going to drop everything. No, no. He said, you've got to understand in the situation you're in, you've got to have the faith to believe that God can change a situation in your life, that God can turn something around. Amen. And, and that little boy died of cancer. Shay got out two days later. The doctor said, uh, uh, she shouldn't be. <laughs> Four months later, guess what? She did a walk-a-thon and raised more money for a church in Costa Rica than anybody else in that church. The doc, she signed the doctors up. She signed the nurses up because they saw what her God can do. Amen. I'm here to tell you, friend, that it's time for us to get serious. It's time for us to roll up our sleeves and say, not today, Satan. You're not going to do it today. You're not going to have my life. You're not going to have my children. I'm going to tell you, today, Satan, no, no, no. Somebody needs to tell hell they're not coming, amen. That's what you got to do every day. Stand up beside your bed and wake up and say, not today, Satan. Nah, I'm going to tell hell I'm not coming. I'm going to live for God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That was back in 1986. And Sister Aver just saw her at a ladies' conference in Texas. Still living for God. The aftermath of a storm. Why, God, she's so young. Why, God? But there were people that just kept praying, kept praying. And either way, she was going to get her healing because she was a child's she was a child of God. She was going to get her healing either way. If God took her, she was healed. But if he kept her here, he healed her. Amen. 
See, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You've got to learn how to say yes to all the storms in your life. You can't fight against them. You can't say, no, I don't accept that storm because that storm's going to come. You can't stop that storm. Boy, they're building levees all over the place now, man, on these coastlines. They're building le- And them levees can stop some of the surge, but they can't stop the storm. You understand what I'm saying? And see, that's what I'm trying to show you today, that God wants to take you to a different place in him, that you can see him as he is. Be of good cheer. I am he. I'm he. I'm the one that can do it. I'm the one that you need to know. I'm the one that you need to move in the relationship with. And if you do that, God's going to show you some things that you've never seen before. There are some treasures he said he has in secret. He wants to give you some secret things. He wants to give you things that, no, you, you, he gives us some things that you don't need to tell anybody else about. You understand what I'm saying? God will come into your life and give you something, and you don't have to go, well, you know what, you'd be, you'd be like Joseph, oh, yeah, uh, y'all are going to bow down to me. He should have kept that one to himself. Y'all, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes when God deals with you in such a powerful way, but he's dealing with you, and it's something personal. And we make it impersonal by trying to make ourselves look like we're somebody when we're nobody. Amen? Oh, come on, y'all stay with me. Amen? So while the storms of life are never pleasant, while they're never pleasant, they do produce certain benefits in our lives that we would do well to, to make note of. He wants us to write down some things today. He wants you to listen to this message today. I didn't just get this message just for something to do. I got, I got like 300 of them in my, in my computer right here. I, I can do anything I want to do today, but I felt like this was the one that God wanted me for this church today. I, I'm not going to preach it at the other church. It wasn't something that I just canned up and going to use it again. God told me, I felt like it was God telling me that this is what he wanted you to hear today. Amen. So you got to understand that. Hebrews 12, 11 says, Now the chastening uh, for the present seemeth to be joy- joyous. Uh, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. In other words, man, when you get chastened, when, you, when, you get, when your parents get on you, it ain't joyous. My dad had a belt that was a 34-inch belt. And when I heard it go thoop, 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 coming out of them belt loops, I, I, it wasn't joyous. And he's chasing me. It wasn't joyous. Amen. And that's what you got to understand. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards. Wow, I like that. See, after the storm. Nevertheless, afterwards. Man, when you're, when you, when you're being tried, when you're, 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 you're faced with things that you don't know what's going on, and, and sometimes you, the devil tries to throw confusion on you. He wants you to get distorted. He wants you to be disillusioned by something that's happening in the church body when you shouldn't be worried about that, amen? That's what he's saying right here. He said, nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth a peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are trained by it. In other words, you got to be trained. Every time you go through a storm, God's training you. God's, God's preparing you. He's training you for the next storm that's going to come. And, and you're going to be able to stand through it and not be, not be full of doubt or fear. But you, you, I love that where it says, afterwards it yieldeth a peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are trained by it. God's training us. When I had that blood clot before they found, when they found the cancer, he was training me. 
The blood clot was my training process, amen. And then the cancer, he trained me through that. He trained me. You think I doubted? Oh, yeah. You, you, you think I was worried? Yeah. Got a wife, had a son staying with us. And no future, you know. Man, yeah, you know, when, when, when I had everybody praying for me and they felt sorry for me, I got worse. So God said, I'm going to put you in isolation. He puts me in isolation for nine days where nobody can come in. Because during that other time, I quit talking to God. In the midst of the storm, you're so busy trying to survive that you forget to talk to him. And you listen to other people talking to you. Oh, I just tapped into something right there. You need to quit listening to what other people are saying. Amen. You need to quit listening to what anybody else has to say about anything. Amen. Because, man, now I was in isolation and I wasn't talking to God like I needed to because, man, I was down. I, I was facing the storm. It was blowing against me. Amen. But God said, that's okay. Just, just be afterwards, afterwards, you're going to be all right. And so God put me in isolation. I said, God, why is this happening? He said, well, I put you in isolation so that you couldn't talk to anybody. The only person you could talk to was me. And see, that storm was training me. To get back in relationship with him. To allow him to speak into my life again. Allowing him to bring that joy in the midst of a storm, in the midst of trouble. He began to put things back in me that I allowed that sickness and I allowed the voices to kind of uh, uh, push down and kind of stifle and, and bind up. But it was there in the midst of the storm. Afterwards, God healed me. <laughs> And when God healed me, the doctors shook their heads. The VA doctor didn't know what to say. You know why? Because my God's telling you that afterwards, the aftermath of a storm, God said, I will replenish you. I will replenish you. That was back in 2009, and I'm still cancer-free. Not one sign, not one marker of cancer in my body. Why? The aftermath of the storm. Don't you dare stop. Don't you give up. Oh, brother, you know how long the storms are going on. It's okay. Just stay right there. Weather the storm. Don't let it push you around. Somebody say praise the Lord. So I want to draw on that nevertheless afterwards. When it's all said and done, and you see the chaos of the aftermath, the storm yieldeth a peaceful fruit of righteousness to them which are trained by it. You know what your pastor needs? You know what pastor needs? He needs to have people that are trained by their adversity. Adversity is what causes you to grow strength. Fighting against adversity, knowing that you're on God's side. Bible said, Bible does say this, you don't have to fight that battle. We spend so much time fighting battles when we don't have to. Because afterwards, nevertheless, afterwards, he said God's going to do something special. So listen to me today. The very thing the disciples feared at that moment, the sea was the very thing that the Lord used as the vehicle to reveal himself unto them. Because it wasn't until the storm that when he walked on that water, and Peter walked out there and sunk, and he picked him up and brought him on the boat, and then he, 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 the sea calmed right away. 
they had that fresh revelation of who Jesus Christ really was. When he was out there, he was a ghost. When he was out there, they didn't know what he was. But when he got close to them, they saw who he was. They saw the power that he had, amen. And what he brought them was that peace that he was trying to tell them that whole time. And now, all of a sudden, things begin to change in their life. He'll do the same thing for your life and mine today. Notice that, uh, how Jesus came to them in the night. So here it is. The Bible said there are hidden blessings in the storms of life. Number one, storms are God's means of transportation. I like that. Storms are God's means of transportation. God said, uh, Jonah, uh, you know that city, Nineveh? Oh, Lord, that's a wicked city. Man, the people hate us. I want you to go preach to them. Jonah said, uh, I'll be right back. They were wicked. They hated God's people. God said, you go preach to them. But what does he do? He runs. And everywhere you see it, he says, he, he goes down to the ship. He goes down to Joppa. He keeps going down. You hear what I'm saying? And then a storm comes. And when the storm comes, and all of a sudden it's, I mean, that's about to sink them. And they're saying, what's going on? And Jonah finally confesses up to him and says, it's my fault. I'm running from God. And he had told them earlier, if you read, that he was running from God. And so he said, I'm running from God. What do we do? He said, throw him overboard. So, man, that don't look good. That's a storm. Jonah's in a bad situation. And so God, throw, they throw him overboard, and God has a great fish ready to swallow him. And that great fish, he goes down into the fish. And, and then what's the fish do? After three days of sitting there and there, seaweed, smelling that old fish, he thought, man, can you imagine? And, and, and all of a sudden, man, he ends up in the, oh, the fish stops and pukes him up right on Nineveh's shore. That storm was his transportation. See, you can run from God, but God will send a storm that will bring you back to him. Don't wait for God to build you a prayer room. You need to do it right now. Jonah was running from God, but God said, no, no, no. I told you to go to Nineveh. He heads the opposite direction. But God uses a, a whale, a fish, and a great fish, I guess, and takes him. And that was his transportation. That's how he got there. So the storm that God brought was the transportation to get him to do the will of God. So if you're in the midst of a storm, you ought to get up and shout because God's fixing to let you do his will. God's fixing to give you your vision. God's fixing to give you your miracle. God's fixing to give you something that's going to cause you to sustain the storm that comes. You cannot outrun God. And you can run all over the place, but you ain't going to outrun God. Uh, God called Jonah the Nineveh, and that fish took him. That was, his, that was his transportation. But look at Acts chapter 27 and 28. Here's Paul. They, they take Paul. He's a prisoner. They're going to take him over to Rome, and they put him in this boat, and they get to this one island. Paul says, you know, we ought to stay here for the winter because, uh, uh, you know, it, it's bad out there. And, and they go, no, no, that guy that owns the boat. The owner now, he said, no, he said, it's okay. And they said that there was a soft uh, south wind that kind of blew. And so they set sail. And it wasn't long after that, they set sail. 
that all of a sudden there was this great storm. An eastern wind blew up, rock line. It, it blew up and just, it, it, it started devastating them. And here, here these, these were fishermen. These were, these were seamen. These were people that knew what was going on. And, man, they're being tossed to and fro, and they're being thrown back and forth. And, and they don't know what to do. All of a sudden, for three days, I think it says, they couldn't even see the stars or the sky. And, and, and everything began to just bounce them around. And, 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 and they were so fearful. And they took, uh, they girded the boat. They put things around the boat to gird it. And try to keep it together. And, and when they said that didn't work, guess what they did? They said they got on there with their own hands. They did it themselves. They began to throw some of their, their cargo overboard. Uh, in the midst of a storm, you're going to find out there's some things in this world you just don't need. You know what I'm saying? When you get to the place where you're in a storm, there's some things you don't need. You'll throw away in the midst of that storm. You can throw that pride away. You can throw anything else away. My God's trying to get you to understand. In the midst of the storm, you've got to let it go. Man, the sails were about to rip. They dropped the sails. Storm kept going. And, and, and then they let go of the rudder. And they said they just let it go. That's what the Bible said. They let it go. They let it go. They let it go. And, and the storm was taking it where it wanted to go. See, you've got to let God take you where he wants you to go. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, you've got to quit fighting it. You've got to quit throwing out your anchor of pride. Self-worth. you got to you got to pull those anchors in, just let it go. And they let it go. And the Bible says that they began to be tossed to and fro, and the tempest began to rock them. But I, I like that the fact that they, with their own hands, began to get rid of some cargo. In the midst of the storm, there's things that you just don't need. And we're living in the midst of a storm. You be careful what you think you need at this moment. Don't let something kind of get you to, to, to stray away from the things of God. Don't get something that is more important to you than the move of God in church. Don't let something overwhelm you to the place that the sea's just pushing you all around. And that's what the Bible said. It tossed them all around. And it was 14 nights. Now, they haven't ate or drank in 14 nights. Can you imagine how weak they were? And they're still being tossed to and fro, tossed all over the place. And then Paul was absent from them for a while. He comes in there and he says, uh, I just talked to the angel of the Lord. And he said that we're going to be shipwrecked. He somebody said, everybody that stays on, and this one I didn't get. Uh, they, they, they wanted to get in the lifeboats. Now, if that big ship was sinking, <coughs> why would they want to get in a lifeboat? Paul said, cut, cut them loose. They, they cut the lifeboats loose. But see, that's the thing to some people in church apostolic. Storms are coming, storms are going, and, oh, this, this ship's going to sink. There's no way. And, and uh, I'm going to run over here where I feel more comfortable. I'm going to run over there. I'm going to get on, on one of these little boats. Oh. And he said, he said, cut them loose. And they cut them little boats loose, them life rafts loose. They cut them loose. And they began to get shook up. He said, now we're fixing a wreck. He said, but everybody that stays in the boat is going to be saved. Do you know that's in the Bible? Everybody that stays in it. Because they wanted to kill all the prisoners. Paul was a prisoner. They wanted to kill them all because they were scared they were going to escape. And Paul said, no, no. He said, everybody that stays in this boat is going to be safe. Everybody is going to be safe. Paul told them that. How many times has your pastor said everything's going to be okay, but you're still worried? Every time uh, something happens in church, you, oh, man, uh, what's going on? I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm looking vertical. <laughs> I'm looking to God. I got, I, I got this storm brewing. I, I'm just looking for Jesus to come walking up to me any minute now. Amen? 
And so, man, they, they, 14 days and night, uh, they, they, they didn't, uh, the storm went 14 days, and all of a sudden, it stopped, and they shipwrecked, and the ship broke apart. And the Bible says that they all ended up at Malta. They all ended up, and they were there, uh, shipwrecked, freezing cold. Now, the Bible said they're barbarians, but that doesn't really mean that they were, like, was going to kill them. And so, uh, they began, they saw that they were cold, so they began to build a fire. And so, Paul says, well, I'll help y'all get that fire going. And he reaches down, and he grabs a bunch of sticks, and he comes back, and when he drops them, a serpent comes up and bites him on the, on, on the hand. And he, he, he shakes it off. But all those guys, those barbarians, when they saw that, they said, surely this man is a murderer. He's a thief. Something's wrong with that man because God has sentenced him, sentenced him to death because any time that serpent bit anybody, they die. And old Paul just shook it off. And I can just imagine them hanging out waiting to see. That's going to start swelling in a minute. I, I don't think he's going to walk around much longer. You remember old Billy? Yeah, you remember when it bit? Yeah, man, it was bad. See, that's the problem with church. Sometimes we 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 want drama. We 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 listen to things in the church that that we don't think somebody can be changed or somebody be healed. We don't think somebody can come back. So backslider can come back and get completely healed. That's not true. God can do anything. Nothing's impossible with God. And when they saw that he shook it off, and after a while they said, man, oh, he's a god. You know, no. and, man, and then they went to him and said, hey, the chief of the town, his father's sick. Can you come pray for him? He went and prayed for him. They said, stay here some longer. Stay here, stay here. So he stays there. Now, we're talking about the aftermath of the storm. The storm was horrible. The storm was bad. It, it blew them away. Am I right or wrong? Uh, they were fearful 14 days. They didn't know. And Paul had to tell them that the angel of the Lord talked to me and, and stay in the ship. And well, now they're shipwrecked. And, well, Paul's crazy, man. Something's wrong with him. And when they get there, there's barbarians, but yet now all of a sudden Paul shakes the serpent off and they say, can you stay with us three days? Stay right here three days. And, 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 and boy, everybody, they were bringing people to them right and left. You know when this church is going to grow? When you shake off the serpent. When you shake off those things that hinder you. When you shake off those things that the other people in the world can't shake off, you shake off. When they see you be able to live through a situation they know they can't live through. When they see you have the joy of the Lord when they have no joy whatsoever. They have happiness, but that just comes from happenstance. It's, what, it's something that happens that makes you happy. But the joy of the Lord is my... I get joy when I think about what he's done for me, right? And he's put gladness in my heart more than their wine and corn increase, it says. And so we see that, that, that he's telling them, he said, this is the aftermath. The aftermath of the storm is that now Paul tells them we got to go to a certain island. That's what he told them when they were in the midst of the storm. He said, we must needs, in other words, shipwreck at a certain island. It has to be a certain island. So he wasn't worried. And when he got there, he shook the serpent off. And after he shook the serpent off, man, all of a sudden, uh, they started bringing people to Paul to pray for and everything. He was having revival. That was the aftermath of the storm. In the midst of the storm, it didn't look good. In the midst of the storm, there was some hunger and there was some thirst and there was some fear. There was all kinds of things, wind, water, everything blowing. in the But the aftermath of the storm was he shook that serpent off. Amen. God took me through the storm. What's this serpent? What's this serpent? You thought, oh, no, shook it off. Now, you want to know the real blessing 
that nobody preaches about the aftermath of this storm was that after I think it was three months there was already a boat, a boat that was in that port that stayed there during the winter the whole time they were in the midst of the storm the whole time they were around the barbarians the whole time they, God already had prepared a promise for them God had already prepared a boat for them and he headed at that very same island they didn't have to wave one down they didn't have to set up smoke signals and everything God already had one that was stopped right there at that aisle and they didn't even know it but the aftermath is that some of y'all don't know this but God has a miracle waiting on you God has something for you if you'll wait on him God will give you something that's real and I'm telling you that friend God's fixing to bless this church and if you'll allow God to take you through the storm and let God bring you to that place of the aftermath to where you see the revival that God has for you come on the aftermath of a storm God's already got the answer waiting on you somebody say praise the Lord let me hurry up so uh, I, he, he, you know you gotta understand that the aftermath of the storm was not about the broken ship it was about uh, it was about the fact that God had a ship waiting on God broke that ship up that's that's not what you need. That, that was bringing slaves. That was a slave ship. That was, they were bringing food and stuff too, but, but that, that's not the ship you're going to go to. You're not, you're not going to Rome in that ship. You see, the aftermath of the storm, it was his transportation. He was supposed to go to Rome, but the, the eastern wind blew him so far off course, they ended up, he said, we must need to go to this island. They, they missed it. That was a shortcut. But because that guy didn't wait on God and God began to push him, the storm came and pushed him so far off course, they end up in a different place, but that's where God wanted him. And in the midst of the storm that's happening to you, don't get upset with God. God's doing this for He's training you because he's going to take you to a destination that's going to enable you to make an impact in somebody's life. You're going to be able to come to church with the boldness and the excitement of what God does when he delivers you out of the midst of the storm. The aftermath is a revival. And you're going to see it. You're going to see it happen that way. He comes in the face of darkness. I just want you to remember that. He, he comes in the face of disaster. That's what Mark 6, 48 says. Uh, they were toiling, uh, straining, rowing, but... They couldn't make any headway, but God came in the midst of, of, of their disaster, in the midst of their problems. God began to move on. Jesus came walking on the waves. And then we see further down, it says, when, he, uh, when, you, you, when it looks the bleakest all around you, that's when Jesus is going to come and work a miracle in your life. So the storm produces some things. It comes in the face of the deep. It comes in the face of the deep. When, you, when I had cancer, I was in deep, deep trouble. I, I, I was sick. Him, Ryan laughed because all I could eat was pizza, pizza, pizza. Don't ask me why. He'd go up there and say, oh, it's you. He ordered it so many times. But I, I was in deep despair. I was in deep situation. I was in deep trouble physically. But God came to me in the face of the deep, the very thing that the disciples fear, the raging sea, was the thing that he used to show him who he was. 
God wants to show you who he really is. You've got to do more than just hear the name. You've got to know him and understand him. Man, you've got to know him. You've you got to be in relationship with him. You've got to say, God, let me, let me get to that place where you're going to change my life forever, where, where I, I don't want to be with anybody but you, Lord. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about my family. I want to talk to you about, about my, my kids. I want to talk to you about other people's families and kids. When you learn to pray for other people's families, God will bless your family. In the midst of the storm, when you can call out somebody else's problem, God is going to deal with your problem. But you've got to come to the place where it's not just about you. It's about God. It's about what God's plan for you. Why is this storm here? Because the aftermath of the storm means that God's going to replenish me. All the trees in New Orleans and Texas are beautiful. Pecan trees down around where Carly hit and and rice fields and everything kind of looks like around here. And, and it's all there. But there's still some buildings that are still torn down. The silos that were there, they're still torn down. But God has a way of replenishing what he creates. He created you in his image. When you go through the storm, you better just mark it right down right there that I don't care what happens. I'm going to wait out this storm. I know that God's in control, and he's going to replenish what what's been taken out of me because right now he's training me he's training me to trust him and I you, you, your children you got to train them to trust you when they are scared of something they might not want to do it but when a mom or dad says come on you can do it you can do it and they do it that you train them to trust you and God wants you to try some things he wants to get you to try a new relationship with him to where he's in charge and not you, where he's not secondary, but he's primary, amen? Somebody say praise the Lord. I'm almost through. Storms are God's means of testing. It says God's means of testing. The real, <clears throat> in verse 25 and 27 of, of Matthew, it says uh, they, they revealed the Savior. When Jesus did come walking on the water, the disciples did not recognize him. They thought he was a ghost, and he cried out. they cried out in fear, but Jesus came with the message of peace and power, and he came to them with the words of, of peace. He said, be of good cheer. He came to them with a word of power. He said, it is I. And I'm here today. I've come to you to tell you that be of good cheer. It's him. He's the one. He's the one that can change every situation. Amen. All things are, are, are created by him. Amen. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And if he gave them to us, he knows how to train us in those things. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let me hurry. The storms of life have the potential to reveal the Savior to us in a way that we've never considered before. Potential. We hear that a lot. You hear that about athletes. Boy, that guy has a lot of potential. But the potential don't mean anything. Potential, that glass has the potential to fall off that table. But it's not going to fall off that table until it submits to a superior power. If I go over there and I hit that thing, it's going to fall off because I'm superior to that, right? And that's what I'm trying to tell you is that God says that you, you people say, oh, you got so much potential. It's not any good unless you've got God motivating you, got God moving you, amen? 
If you see on this platform, it ain't your talent, baby. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're going to have an anointing of God, you you got the potential to have a move of God. But you're going to have to let God move you first so that when you sing and you play, all of a sudden the anointing goes out and touches people's lives and changes them. And their hearts open up to the Word of God. So that's potential. When he comes to us walking on our storms, he gives us the same message of hope that he gave his disciples. It's a message of peace. That's something you got to understand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. The peace of God. See, that's what you got to seek after, the peace of God. Because in the midst of the storm, he's training you to be able to have that peace because it's him that's in the midst of the storm with you. It's in that midst of the storm that he's replenishing your faith. It's in the midst of that storm that he's showing you what kind of God he is. He's a mighty God. It's a message of power. It's the same statement Jesus used when he said, I am the door I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the bread of life. I'm the good shepherd. I I think you're getting it. He's everything. Whatever you need him to be, he's that. And in the midst of the storm, he wants to train you to trust him in all your ways and lean not into your own understanding. But acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Amen? See, he wants you to acknowledge him. And in the midst of the storm, acknowledge him. In the midst of the storm, tell him how much you love him. In the midst of the storm, don't let the, the horizontal problems of the winds blowing and the waves coming and the storms and the words and the... And I, nah, I'm vertical. I can hear that still, small voice. It says, peace, be still. It's going to be okay, Danny. God, I'm, I'm in here nine days, Lord. In nine days. Why am I in isolation? I can't even see my wife. I can't see the kids. Now, why am I in this isolation? And God is training me. Training me. He began to train me. He began to get me to trust him all over again. It wasn't just that first revelation I got on April 9th, 1980. It wasn't the things that happened along the way. But now he's training me. For nine days, he was training me to trust him. Be of good cheer. It is I. Everything's going to be okay. Somebody here, you're struggling with something, and God's telling you, peace, be still. It's going to be okay. Because the storm reveals the blessings that God's going to bring your way. The storm, uh, they refine the saint. The storm refines us. When Peter heard... That it was the Lord. Peter wanted to join Jesus and walking on water. Jesus simply told Peter to go. It wasn't some drawn out thing begging. You don't got to beg God. You got a problem? Just come. He, he said, it's me. Come on. There's a storm. Go. Come on. It's me. Come on. Only thing hindered you is the limitations of that boat. Limitation of your problem. Limitation of your situation. Step out of it. Trust me. Come on. That's what he was telling them. And when the storms of life are howling all around us, if you can't get a hold of the truth that God is the master of the storm, uh, then you, you too, you can rise up if you want to and say, you know what, I'm going to let go of this ship. I'm going to let go of my, my, my will. My will's not going to be done anymore. God, it's your will. 
And when I come to church flesh, I want you to know something. I got to let you be in charge on the job. I got to let you be in charge when I'm mowing the grass. But I'm going to tell you something flesh. When we come to church, the Spirit's taking over. The Spirit's going to be what's going to be able to worship and shout and clap their hands. I'm here to tell you, friend, that you need to allow the Spirit of the Lord to work in your life, especially when you're in church, because that's during the time that God begins to train you. Somebody say praise the Lord. Man, I'm here to tell you that it, it reminds the saint. Peter wanted to walk on the water like Jesus. He put the Lord to the test and stepped into the waves. But as soon as he got, took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. Amen. But it reminds the saints of who Jesus is. And God began to work on Peter. And musicians, come get ready. I'm here to tell you that just like Paul, in the midst of the storm, he got alone by himself, and the angel of the Lord came and told him, that we're going to be shipwrecked. And we're going to go to this certain island. You think he was worried when he come back up there and all those guys are screaming and hollering and hadn't eaten in 14 days? Fighting that storm. I'm talking about nonstop. Tossing and turning. And when he came back up after he was the Lord, he, he said, everybody eat something now. <laughs> That's what he told me. Everybody eat something. I just heard from the Lord. If you stay in the ship, Whatever storm you're faced with, if you stay in the ship, you're going to be saved. If you stay in the ship, you're going to be saved. If you try to save yourself, you're going to be lost. See, when it comes to the time and service like this, your, your pride has to decrease. You've got to let God increase in your life right now. You've got to stop and really re-examine your life and see what the storm has brought into your life. What has it taken away? What has it washed out? What is that salt water that came in to Katrina that killed all that grass and flowers and stuff? But eventually, the earth replenished itself because there was new rain. There was, there was fresh rain, fresh water that came. See, there's a lot of times that you're in these storms, and, and it's, it's eating away at you and everything. But God said, if you just come down, God's going to rain down on you a revival like this church has never seen before. Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, you've heard it with ears of flesh. Hear it with the ears of the Spirit today. Don't doubt it. Don't think it won't happen because it's going to happen. Our success in the storm of life hinges on us being willing to acknowledge Jesus as the master of the storm. I like this song here. It says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. You know what our problem is? It's been so long since we sat where those people out there have sat. It's been so long since we sat where they sat and, and, and had to face the problems they faced. It's been a long time since we've been lonely. It's been a long time since we felt worthless. It's been a long time since we've hurt because we don't sit where they sit anymore. And I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. I'm, I'm here to tell you that I was so far out I couldn't even see land. I was like, I was like Paul in the midst of that storm. They, 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 they couldn't see anything. They didn't know where they were at. They just knew it was dangerous. It was in that storm of my life. My dad died at 46. And I let the storm consume me. And 
drugs and alcohol and everything the world could have. I just, just want, didn't want to live anymore, didn't care anymore. Because I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. I was, I was almost gone. That Saturday night before that Wednesday night service, we had a party. I did cocaine, smoked pot, drank. I felt like my heart was going to explode. My head hit the table and I passed out and they just took me and threw me in a room. I woke up the next day. For some reason, at this guy's house, his brother had a Bob Dylan Christian album. And for some reason, that was that what was playing. There was Van Halen. There was Led Zeppelin. There's all these groups, the albums scattered. And this one was going. When you gonna wake up? When you gonna wake up? When you gonna wake up? And it was at that moment, in the, in the midst of a storm, where the hurt of losing my dad and not seeing him for two years and telling him I'm sorry for what I'd done and the things that I'd done, the, the, the storm of life that was crushing me, that was causing me, I couldn't see anything. It was a darkness, and, and I was sinking deep in sin. But it was that one song where it said, when you're going to wake up and strengthen the things that remain. Oh, I thought, well, maybe there. I did go to church one time. My parents did take me to church on Easter. He said, when are you going to wake up and strengthen the things that remain? I'm asking you today. When I heard that, I went back to Bay City and I looked up my well, I talked to Ben, my friend, and I said, you remember Greg Barnes still living for God after four years? I didn't ever want to go back to Bay City because I had so many problems there. But I went to work for Mobile Law Production, and they said, we only have one opening. It's in Bay City, Texas. Paul was saying, you must needs go to Bay City. You, you must needs go there. You're in the midst of a storm. You're doing everything that your dad taught you not to do. You must need to go back to Bay City. And that's when I looked up that boy that witnessed to me, and he was still on fire for God. And it was right there. You hear me? It was right there that the aftermath of my storm became available. I repented on his doorstep. Went to church that Wednesday. Got the Holy Ghost baptized. He's name filled with the Holy Ghost. And the aftermath is, is I'm standing here in the wood. 43 years later. Because I understood that the aftermath of the storm that God was going to replenish me. 
that God separated my confusion and let me see him for the first time. And I know y'all have heard me say these things before, but I'm here to tell somebody here, you need to really listen close because the storm that you're in, God says, I, I want to give you something good. I want to relieve you of that burden. I want to give you a testimony. I want to show you who I am. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the secret to making the storm much more bearable for you. Don't wait until the storm is over and you lose something in your life. Somebody here needs to come down to this altar and bow down now while the waves are still threatening your boat, your life. Somebody here needs to come and bow down while the winds are still swirling around you, while you've had some confusion, you had some storms in your life, and, and some family situations. You don't know what, what to do. You're, you're at that place where you seem like you're being overwhelmed by, by everything that's happening. Don't wait until you see the blue skies to humble yourself before the Lord, but come and humble yourself right now. Come, come and say, God, I want what this church needs is a revival, but I know it's going to start with me understanding the aftermath of the storm. I want you to train me in the midst of my trials. Train me, Lord, that I can trust you in all my ways. Nothing reveals your faith in the Lord more than you being willing to accept his will and love him with all your heart even when the things look worse for you bow before him it honors the Lord today let's all come up here and bow down before him for a few moments today let's all come around this altar and let's bow down and I want you to really ask yourself ask yourself about what needs to be replenished in your life if you're a visitor come on up here and pray with us it's okay Come on up here, really examine your heart and say, God, I, I, I can't explain it any clearer. I'm here because of the storm that my dad died when he was 46. Never wanted to see Bay City, Texas again. I was in El Campo and I moved to Edna. Then mobile calls me and says, Dave, we got a job, but it's in Bay City. I didn't know it at the time, but God was saying, you must needs go to this city. I don't want to go there. Bad memory. God said, you must needs go there. That first year that I was there, Sister Aber and I, God gave us over 69 souls. Because the aftermath of the storm replenished me. I was broken by this revelation of who Jesus is. How much he loved me to take me from being hurt in Germany back to El Campo to Edna 
the Bay City. The night that I was filled with the Holy Ghost and got baptized with Jesus' name, God said, I'm going to do a quick work in you, Danny. Because I recognized the aftermath of the storm wasn't what I lost, but what God was going to give me. Oh, I wish somebody here today would understand that God wants to give you something. You might have suffered loss. You might have suffered loss and you're hurting and you're, 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 you're not feeling very spiritual or anything and you seem to never get past that, but I'm here to tell you that God has something. The aftermath of what your storm is, God said, He wants to replenish you. I don't know why it happened the way it happened, but I'm so thankful that I didn't try to throw out the anchors and, and, and fight, the, fight the storm, but I went ahead and went to Bay City, and it was there on that boy's doorstep that God began to work on me. The aftermath of the storm. The aftermath of the storm. Man, there has been storms that have been brewing against this church, but I'm here to tell you that if you'll come to the place that you're willing to stay in the ship, that God is going to show you the aftermath of that storm. He's going to say, not a one of you are going to be lost. That You're going to be saved. God said, I'm going to send you to a place. You're going to be able to be accepted by people where you go. When you go somewhere, you're going to be accepted. I've never been there before, but you're going to be accepted because it's the aftermath of the storm. Young people, you need to listen to me. There's going to be storms that come in your life and you need to have that revelation of who Jesus Christ is right now. You need to understand in the midst of your storm as a teenager when it blows and, and it seems like the devil's pushing on you so hard, that's when you got to say, you know what? I know in whom I believe and I'm going to stay right here. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply staying within. Look deep inside of yourself right now. Look very deeply inside of your heart. Are you staying by sin? Is there something there that you haven't let go of? Is there something there that has caused you to kind of just kind of just go to church and not be in church? Stained within, sinking to rise no more. The master of the sea heard my despairing cry. For fun, the waters lift me now safe to him. You hear so much in the world about safe place. This is the safe place. This is where you can come and tell God everything that's in your heart. This is where you can come and you can tell God everything that you're faced with and everything that you are going through and he says go ahead to stay right there because I'm fixing to replenish you because it's just the way God created nature and he created man that there is an ability in us to replenish ourselves by being obedient to the word of God the time of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord husbands reach over and pray for your wives right now 
Ask God to bind y'all together. Ask God to give y'all that ability to dwell together in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. That y'all make right decisions together. That you enable yourself to be strong in this church so that when visitors come and other families come, they see strong families in this church. They see strong families that, that, that worship God together. Not ashamed of the things of this, this world. But say, I, I don't care what this world has to give. I'm going to live for God. I'm not accepting the shame of this world. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel either. Young people, find another young person to pray with. God, we love you, Jesus. As they begin to sing, I want you to seek your heart. I want you to look very deeply within. See if there's any stain there that needs to be washed, that needs to come out. That God needs to replenish a joy, a song in your heart. That God needs to replenish a love for your wife or a love for your husband, a love for your kids. Come on, church. God wants to build a church here. In the aftermath of a storm, there's going to be a church that is going to be able to show this world what it's like to live for God. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.